Tactical sports take. Inbound. Who the fuck is that guy? Beat him off. Stomp on his head as he's unconscious. Five-tool commentator. <laughs> he's the Willie Mays of sports <laughs> broadcasting. DiMaggio. It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Owen Ely Show. I'm your host, Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Be sure to check out our website at NorthStarsports.media. And welcome to the show, everyone. We've got a great one for you today here on this Saturday, March 26th, as we look to preview UFC Fight Night Blades versus Dawkus, which will take place uh, in just a matter of a couple of hours from Nationwide Arena in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, as always, great to be back with you guys. Very excited for this fight card. Uh, I almost stumbled over my own words. Uh, I'm so used to saying uh, from the, the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada, but uh, alas, uh, they are in uh, the great state of Ohio. Not as great as Minnesota, but you know, every, everything else pales in comparison to the uh, North Star State. Um, but really, really awesome that they're back to doing uh, fight nights uh, in, in you know random cities across America, and hopefully. Uh, well, I guess they were just in London, so random cities uh, across across the world. So uh, really, really awesome. Obviously been a very long time. They probably should have been back doing this um, a little bit ago, a little bit ago, but uh, better late than never. Hopefully they'll come back to Minneapolis uh, at some point, but they, they like to take, uh, you know, decade breaks in between coming here. So, you know, is what it is, but, you know, if they ever come to uh, Des Moines or uh, Milwaukee or North Dakota, you know, I, I, I could drive out there. I could drive out there. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, we're back. Been a little bit of a break. I'll be more active uh, doing stuff like this. Uh, got a lot of stuff to, to sort out. Uh, but, you know, we'll be back in the swing of things. Uh, another... Uh, Another early start here for the UFC. Got the uh, prelim starting at 3. And surprisingly, a, a pretty good fight night card. Um, you know, the, the UFC is not known for stacking fight night cards. And they're especially not known for putting on good events in the month of March. The UFC uh, really, really doesn't like competing against March Madness. So, you know, March... You know, January, February, March, really quarter one of, of the calendar year, you really don't usually see a whole lot of big events. You know, you'll save them for uh, International Fight Week, really any time in the summer, and then obviously, you know, December is uh, usually a, a pretty big month for the UFC. They normally try to do two uh, pay-per-views uh, in, in uh, December. So, you know, this there's a lot of ranked fighters, on this card, not exactly the most exciting ranked fighters in the world, but uh, should be a good one. Uh, at, at some point, we'll have updated rankings. That's something I really have to get on. I'm so backlogged on the uh, updated rankings, but you know, we'll 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 get to that. We'll get to that. Don't you worry. We'll get to that. Um, I don't really have a whole lot of housekeeping other than that. So, uh, without further to do, as uh, smart people would say, 
Uh, let's get right into the main event here. We got Chris Dawkins taking on Curtis Razor Blades. Uh, Blades is going to be the number four heavyweight. Chris Dawkins, uh, number nine. Blades, 15 and three with one no contest. Dawkins, 12 and four. We'll take a look at the odds coming by way of Odds Shark. Uh, Curtis Blades, the minus 450 favorite. Uh, crazy, crazy disrespectful odds on uh, on that one. That is brutal. I, I, I don't understand where they they think that's an acceptable line. If I could spend money uh, or, or, you know, legally sports bet uh, in, in the state of Minnesota, I probably would put a little uh, coin on Chris Dawkins. That is crazy, crazy odds. Uh, and, and I very strongly considered Chris Dawkins to win this fight. Uh, you know, I don't want to bury the lead there. So uh, I am picking Curtis Blades in this fight, but I think this fight is going to be a lot more competitive than maybe some people are thinking. Although I, I do, I do see a good um, portion of uh, of the fans out there picking Chris Dawkins, and I can't really disagree. Um, I, I, I think it's going to be close. The, the The biggest thing that stands out to me, okay, so everybody's talking about the wrestling. You know, these are two wrestlers. Curtis Blades' striking is greatly improved. His striking is, is uh, you know. Up a couple of notches just because he's such of a he's such a, a good wrestler that you know you're gonna be focused on the takedown while he's gonna crack you with a, a shot. Um, and and, and Dawkins is a good striker too. Um, you know we we've seen him put away uh, Abdurakimov, knocked him out twice in that fight. Uh, you know two brutal brutal knockouts. Uh, knocked out Olenek, not as impressive. Uh, you know Olenek kind of folds uh, under pressure, but. You know he's a he's a good fighter, but the the big thing that stands out to me is you watch Curtis Blades in a lot of his fights. He's always the guy moving forward. He's always the aggressor, uh, and and he's always way more active. And uh, you know, like people will say, a good offense or a good defense, you know, some of the time is good offense. And um, you know that's kind of the case with Curtis Blades. You know he was the far more active fighter in the Rosenstrike uh, fight, far more active in the Lewis fight. Obviously, we know how that ended. He got knocked out. But, you know, Dos Santos, Abdurakimov, Willis, Volkov, I mean, all, all these fights, he, he's he's the guy moving forward. Uh, you know, he's, he's, he's doing like what Colby Covington did against uh, Robbie Lawler. I mean, there's just so much offense. How do you even respond to it? But Chris Dawkins, uh, I think he has the highest activity numbers uh, in, in the UFC for uh, for a heavyweight. I mean, he's very, very active. 7.71 significant strikes landed per minute. So how does that affect Blade's tempo? That's that's really the, the thing that I'm, I want to see in this fight, and I'm not necessarily going to say the more active fighter wins in this fight because, you know, maybe somebody gets caught with a, a, a lucky shot or a, a, a submission or something like that. But Blade's is not going to be the guy moving forward in this fight 100% of the time. Maybe he wins that battle, but uh, I don't I don't really see Kurt, or, uh, Chris Dawkins uh, backing up and being inactive like, like other guys. I mean, so it's, you know, sometimes you look uh, between two strikers, you look at uh, who has the outside foot or whatever. You know, people make a huge deal about the, the foot positioning, uh, you know, and then there's just certain things. You know, some people like to rush out to the middle of the octagon to, to get there first. You know, I, I, I think the, the one 
back and forth tug of war battle that, that's really going to decide who wins this is who's the aggressor who's the guy moving forward because we haven't really seen Curtis Blades you know win a whole lot of fights being uh, an inactive fighter uh, moving backwards and counter striking that's not that's not Curtis Blades and that's not Chris Dawkins either so you know I think I think that'll be interesting uh, obviously those numbers are I don't want to say a little in, inflated but Blades has been around for a lot longer and fought a lot tougher competition so obviously his numbers are not going to be as great as Dawkins. both of them have insane uh, significant strike percentages uh, for, for offense to defense like I said Dawkins 7.7 to 3.5 and Curtis Blades 3.4 to 1.6 so you know basically they hit their opponents just about twice as often as they get touched and uh, obviously those numbers are not going to mesh in this fight so something's got to something's got to break here uh you you look at uh wrestling uh obviously curtis blades you probably have to give him the advantage uh very active with his takedowns 6.3 takedowns per 15 minutes and uh i don't know if chris Dawkins has been taken down in the ufc i don't i don't think it's for uh i think it might be for a lack of trying he hasn't really fought a whole lot of um high-level wrestlers, so I can't really gleam anything from uh, Chris Dawkins's, uh ground stats. Um, but when it's all said and done, I, I just like Curtis Blades. You know, I don't want it to be wishful thinking. You know, both these guys seem like good guys. Uh, you know, watching some of the, the documentary pieces on Chris Dawkins seems like an easy guy to root for, him and his brother. Um, but I'm not going to let that cloud my judgment here. I mean, there's levels to this. Uh, if there's anything Corey Anderson taught us uh, in his uh, MMA career, it's that there's levels to this. And I think Blades is probably just at a different level right now. I mean, uh, I think Dawkins is definitely somebody to watch out for. You know, this this is a tough one for for Dawkins. I mean, he's coming back three months after getting knocked out uh, by Derek Lewis. You're in another main event, so, you know, that's pretty awesome. Uh, and, and you can see why you would you would take this. Uh, but I mean, this is a this is a nightmare matchup. There's there's really there's really only a handful of fighters you just don't want to fight under any circumstance, um, and and one of them is, is Curtis Blades. Really, anybody who can wrestle in the heavyweight division, you really don't want to fight. Um, you know, you, you want to fight the fat guys who have no cardio and have knockout power because that's so generic. Uh, you know, that's 90% of the UFC heavyweight roster. You don't want to go up against Curtis Blades. Uh, you don't want to go up against Cyril Gaon, uh, you know, or, or, or guys like this. So this, this is a tough matchup for him. I could see it going pretty far into the later rounds. Um, I'm not necessarily going to predict it. it goes to a decision, but... At the same time, Curtis Blades is not the greatest finisher, and he, he has good cardio, but once he gets to rounds four and five, if, if, you know, if Curtis Blades has success in the first three rounds, we've seen this in the Volkov fight, if he has success, if he's just dominating rounds one through three but doesn't get the finish, that's not good news for Curtis Blades because at some point in, in, in that fight, he, you know, he's going to tuck her out, and then he's just a gassed guy who, you know, expended all this energy, and, and your opponent is still kicking. 
you know, Volkov brought it to Curtis Blades in rounds four and rounds five. So, you know, if it could be a very easy win for Curtis Blades, you know, quote unquote easy, it could be a very easy win for him. He dominates him for three rounds and finishes him in, in round three as my chair just fucking falls apart. Um, and, and then he looks good and it's awesome and people are talking about, uh, you know, title fights and, and things like that. Or he could do really well and be hampered by his own success and gas out and, you know, maybe Dawkins pulls off uh, a late finish. But uh, for my official uh, fight prediction, uh, I'm going to go Curtis Blades by round... Round four TKO. Round four TKO. I think he. I think he probably finishes him. If I have to, you know, put pen to paper and uh, officially give a prediction. All right, moving on to the co-main event. Uh, we're gonna have Joanne Wood taking on Alexa Grasso. Joanne Wood, fifteen and seven. Grasso, thirteen and three. We'll take a look at the odds for this one. Grasso will be the minus two forty-five favorite. Uh, uh, just had a total brain freeze there. Um, Alexa Grasso is going to be the number nine ranked flyweight. I believe Joanne Wood is going to be uh, number four. Uh, if my computer would work, uh, no, they're going to actually have her at number seven. Okay. Um, yeah, kind of an interesting matchup here. It seems like uh, the UFC really wants. Joanne Wood to to get a title shot, but uh, you know she uh, has has taken some pretty rough matchups uh, in in the last year year and a half that she probably shouldn't have taken after she got guaranteed that title shot, and uh, you know they didn't they didn't go her way. Lost to Murphy, lost to Santos, uh, lost to to Maya uh, back in the summer of 2020. Uh, she's lost four of her last six. So really not on a good trajectory, but you know the, the the flyweight division is so weak. I mean, we we saw somebody who wasn't even ranked like three months ago get one ranked win, and now she's fighting for the belt. Antalya Santos, who I really like, I think Santos is good, but boy, I wish that there was a fight in between. I mean, I really I really want to see Santos beat a top five opponent and and you know get more experience. I mean, she has a lot of fights on her record, but. Not a lot of fights in the top 15 of uh, of the UFC. So, you know, anything's possible. I mean, the winner of this could fight for the title next. I mean, Wood hasn't fought Shevchenko. Grasso hasn't fought Shevchenko. She's lapping the division. You know, they're they're desperate for um, for new blood. Uh, I don't really know how I feel about the odds on this one. I, th- I mean, I think they're, they're pretty fair, but, you know, I'm a little... Uh, you know, pump the brakes on on Alexa Grasso, but she looked good in her last performance against uh, Macy Barber. That was 13 months ago, uh, and we, we've kind of seen the trajectory that uh, Macy Barber has uh, under undergone in her career. But you know, Grasso is a good striker, um, someone who's been in the UFC for quite some time. Uh, made her debut in uh, November of 2016. Um, and obviously Joanne Woods, uh, a great kickboxer. So you know, two two good strikers, uh, basically uh, very similar dimensionally. You know, same height, give or take an inch. Uh, Grasso's got a half inch reach advantage, um, and, and both are, are positive differential strikers. Joanne Wood a little more active, six point seven to four point five. 
uh, for, for the offense to defense on Wood, offense to defense for Grasso, 4.9, basically 5 to 3.6. Uh, but the uh, significant strike defense is a lot higher for Grasso, 64% uh, compared to 52% for Wood. Um, so really, in my mind, it just comes down to who do you think is the better striker. Uh, I, I'm going to go Alexa Grasso on this one. I think Grasso is probably the better striker. She certainly is, uh, you know, has, has the better uh, trajectory. Uh, you know, the fight before she beat uh, Macy Barber, she beat Gian Kim. Not the... Not that Jian Kim's the greatest fighter in the world, but she was ranked for, uh, you know, ranked in the top 15 for a couple of years. Um, so I'm going to go uh, Alexa Grasso on this one, of course, by decision. I would never, never pick a fight like this to go, uh, you know, be finished before the final bell. Uh, they both have very, very long active or average uh, fight times. So we'll go Alexa Grasso by decision. All right, moving on to the featured bout on the main card. It's going to be in the welterweight division. Matt Brown taking on Brian Barbarina. Matt Brown, 23 and 18. Stellar record there. Brian Barbarina, 16 and 8. Uh, We'll take a look at the odds for this one. And it's going to be a minus 115 pick. I might have gotten the uh, order wrong here. That might actually be the uh, second fight, third fight on the main card. Uh, but either way, we'll uh, we'll get to this one. Um, kind of a tough one to pick. I, I, I'm, I never like picking Matt Brown in a fight. He is dangerous, but he's got a lot of losses, and he's uh, he's very old. Uh, but you know, he says he wants to do this for uh, you know four or five more years. Uh, and you know, I, I I guess so. I mean, I, I guess he could. I guess he could do that. Uh, coming off of a nice knockout win over Diego Diego Lima, uh, he's one behind Derek Lewis for the most knockouts in uh, UFC history. Uh, I'm not predicting a knockout for Matt Brown in this one. If there's uh, a guy in the UFC who, who might have the best chin, uh, it, it, it could be Brian Barberina. I mean, he's he's got a fucking granite chin. Certainly uh, a, a top five chin in the UFC. Uh, that fight against Vincente Luque, he did get finished. He did get finished by Vincente Luque, but it was at the very, very end of that fight, and that is one of the greatest fights of the the, the 2010s. I mean, that was just a grueling fight. I mean, he's a farmer. He's got that farmer strength. Uh, I really like Brian Barberena. I mean, he's, you know, I don't know. He's losing a lot of fights these days and doesn't have the greatest record, but, man, he always... He always puts out. Um, I don't know if there's a whole lot statistically I can take away from from uh, these guys. I mean, they're they're both strikers. Uh, I'd kind of be surprised if grappling uh, was involved in in this one. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Matt Brown. You know, fuck it. It's it's in Columbus, Ohio. It's near his. Uh, hometown. It's near where he lives. Uh, you know, I'll say he puts on for his uh, his his people. You know, uh, I, I won't be that biased against Matt Brown, but uh, probably a pretty sloppy fight. I don't think that uh, he'll get a knockout. Barbarina, one tough sob, but I'll, I'll say he he wins. All right, we're moving on to a uh, likely flyweight title eliminator between Askar Askarov and Kai Kara France. Askarov 14-0-1, Kara France 
23 and 9. Askarov, the number two ranked flyweight. Kara France cracks the, uh, almost cracks the top five. He's at uh, number six. Uh, we'll take a look at the odds. Askarov, a pretty heavy favorite, minus 400 favorite uh, over uh, KKF. Not not sure how I feel about that. I mean, especially uh, the last couple of fights for Kai Kara France. Uh, good striker, probably a better striker than Askarov. Uh, and, and, you know, he's got dangerous power for a flyweight. So I wouldn't feel great about laying the, the, the money down on Askarov. Uh, but... Uh, I, I probably am picking Askarov to uh, to win this one. France will have a uh, two-inch reach advantage. Like I said, two-fight winning streak, both knockouts in the first round over Bontarine, who I believe was ranked <clears throat> excuse me, in the top ten, and then Cody Garbrandt uh, just brutalized him. Um, so, you know, he, he's, uh, he's on the up and up, but uh, I, I do like uh, Askarov. Uh, what what he did to Benavidez was just dirty, man. I mean, he he worked over Benavidez, albeit it was after you know Figueredo left him for dead, and you know he he also was uh, 64 years old when he fought Askarov. But uh, you know he he's got quite the resume. Went to a, a split draw with Brandon Moreno back in 2019. Uh, or you know could have gone either way. Uh, went over uh, Tim Elliott, Alexander. Uh, Alexandre Pantoja and like I said Joseph Benavidez so uh, you probably could have given him a title shot already uh, being undefeated in the UFC through uh, four fights and considering the level of competition he's done it against but um, you know he's got he's to earn it because they're going with the uh, I, I believe it's a tetralogy uh, between uh, Figueredo and Moreno, which I think is the I think is the right move. I mean, flyweight's not that stacked that we have to move on and get to other people. But at the same time, I think Askarov's definitely earned it, and I think he'll earn the dub here. I don't think he finishes Kai Kara-France. Uh, I think it'll be another uh, decision victory for Askarov. He's he's never had a finish in the UFC, and I don't think that that will uh, that trend will break uh, come uh, later tonight. All right, we'll move on to the uh, second fight on the main card, Alexi Olenek and Alir Latifi battling in the heavyweight division. Olenek 59-16-1, Alir Latifi uh, 15-8. We'll take a look at the odds for this one. Uh, Latifi will be the minus 210 favorite. Uh, Olenek is going to be unranked, according to the UFC. Um kind of a legend of the sport the boa constrictor a little bit of a legend of the of the sport still doing the damn thing at 44 years old he made his debut back in 1996 he has been fighting for longer than i have been alive he's been fighting for uh 25 years jesus christ 25 years fought uh, uncle chael uh, back in 2006 in Bodog, lost to him. But, uh, I mean, they don't call him the boa constrictor for nothing. Uh, unfortunately for him, he's going up against, uh, you know, the brick shithouse, Alir Latifi. Uh, no neck to choke. I don't know how you choke out Alir Latifi. This guy is fucking massive, five foot ten at heavyweight. Uh, it, it, this is going to be an interesting, interesting fight. 
because I wonder how much grappling is going to be done. I believe when Alir Latifi came into the UFC, I believe his base is wrestling, so um, I, I wouldn't say it's a given that if the fight goes to the ground, you know, Olenek has the advantage, and then on the feet, you definitely have, the, have to give the advantage to Alir Latifi. I mean, they don't call him the sledgehammer for nothing. nothing. Uh, he, he's got really good knockout power. Uh, I would imagine it's, it's even strengthened uh, more so being up at heavyweight. These guys do not have long average fight times, eight and a half minutes for Alir Latifi, six and a half minutes for Olenek. Uh, the thing that stands out, Latifi's a well-rounded guy. Basically a third of his fights end by KO, sub, or decision. So he really can win either way he, he wants. Olenek, 80% of his fights finish by submission. So, I mean, there's a real one-track mind with uh, Alexi Olenek. Uh, Latifi does get his significant strike differential is is pretty bad. It's negative one, uh, but I, I don't think that's really a factor here um, against uh, Alexi Olenek. Um, I think if the if the fight goes to the ground, it's interesting. I think either guy could uh, get the finish on the ground, but uh, I think there's a real possibility that Latifi just bludgeons Alexi Olenek like he stole something. Um, because that's that's been a real pattern for Olenek in his in his career. You look at a lot of his fights in the UFC. He has a lot of first round knockout losses. If you put the pressure on Olenek early, if you crack him with one good shot early, he folds. He completely folds, and that's probably why he's been able to fight for so long. He you know he's smart. He doesn't take an, an ass whipping. You know, he, they're they're all they're all TKOs. You know, Olenek doesn't get KO'd. He gets TKO'd because he he folds. So it's smart, but also not very good for, uh, you know, advancing your career. But at this age, you know, this dude's not fighting for the title or nothing like that. So, you know, you get cracked with a good shot. Might as well just, you know, fold like a lawn chair. I mean, Dawkins did it to him. Lewis did it to him, although that one went very early into the second round. Uh, Walt Harris knocked him out in 12 seconds. Overeem cracked him, and, you know, he just, he just uh, you know, falls over, and, and they call it a day. Same with... Uh, Curtis Blades. So, you know, if Latifi can just run across that octagon, punch him in the face a couple of times, this could be a, a, a sub 60 second knockout win for Alir Latifi uh, if he if he uh, chooses to go that route. Uh, coming off of a nice win over Tanner Bozier uh, and a win over Derek Lewis. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. Derek Lewis lost that fight against Alir Latifi. Terrible performance by Derek Lewis. He lost the first two rounds. I would say Alir Latifi won round three. You know, a lot of people, even who think that Alir Latifi won, will say, oh, okay, well, Derek Lewis won round three. Why? Because he threw a bunch of punches? He missed every single fucking punch. Oh, but he was winding up. Yeah, he was winding up to fucking miss in round three. He didn't He didn't hit Alir Latifi at all in round three. So I thought he won that 30-27, one of the biggest robberies I've ever seen you know, but there's a lot of uh, Derek Lewis fanboys uh, out there, you know, because he likes to go out there and get knockouts and then get dominated at the, the upper echelons of the uh, division. So, is is what it is. Alir Latifi should be undefeated at heavyweight, in my mind. So, uh, I like uh, Alir Latifi to win this one. I'm going to go first round knockout. I'm going to go sub, sub minute, a sub minute knockout because, again, that's that's the game plan to beat Olinick if you're a striker. Walk across that octagon and, uh, you know, throw a couple uh, power power shots. 
All right, we're moving on to the main card opener between Mark the Bone Crusher, Jacasey, and Vyacheslav Borsho. Uh, Borsho is 6 and 1. Uh, Jacasey, 14 and 5. Taking a look at the odds for this one, we'll have. Uh, if I could find him without it shuffling around, we'll have uh, Borcho as the minus 155 favorite. Uh, not a whole lot to say on this one. Not a whole lot to say on, on, on a lot of the rest of the cards. So we'll kind of breathe through, uh, breeze through some of these. Uh, I like Slava Claus to win this one. He's got a lot less experience uh, in MMA, but I believe he has a fair amount of kickboxing fights. Uh, he, he's he's looked damn good. Uh, in, in his couple of UFC outings, if you count the uh, Contender Series uh, as as well. Great striker, uh, very dangerous left side of his body. Uh, I would not imagine he would be too terrified of the wrestling of Mark Jacasey. Jacasey is a striker. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I think he gets it done, and we'll be seeing him do that uh, traditional Russian up-and-down dance, whatever the hell you call that uh, little jig they do over uh, in Russia. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think the UFC likes Mark Jacasey. So I think you beat Jacasey, you might get, uh, you know, a little, a little bit of a push. You know, Jacasey's kind of a big name for um, a guy who's not in the rankings at, uh, at lightweight. He's still only 29, came into the UFC super young and, uh, you know, got off to a three-fight winning streak, fucking murdered, murdered Timu Pakalin. Just, that's one of the most underrated knockouts in UFC history that nobody talks about. Uh, and I forget who... Timo Pakalin's been folded up a couple of times in the UFC. I forget who else knocked him up, but man, he fucking killed Timo Pakalin for about five seconds. Uh, but then, you know, three-fight losing streak, two-fight winning streak, two-fight losing streak. So pretty pretty inconsistent, but kind of a big name. Uh, you know, cause he 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 was viewed as a blue chip prospect back in uh, 2016, 2017. But uh, I'm gonna go Borshev, and uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, I'm gonna say he knocks him out. He's dangerous, dangerous, especially to the body. All right, moving on to the uh, prelim headliner. It's going to be in the welterweight division, number nine ranked Neil Magny taking on Max Payne. Griffin. We'll take a look at the odds for this one. Magny, the uh, minus 265 favorite, bordering on heavy. Bordering on heavy. I'd, I'd probably still call that moderate, but bordering on heavy. Some might say. Some people tell me that's heavy. Um, yeah, a real tough fight for uh, Max Griffin, uh, but a chance to uh, break into the rankings. I mean, you, you beat Neil Magny, you're probably in the top 10. I mean, he's at number nine. In my rankings, he would be number nine if he beats Neil Magny because I'm consistent and that's how I do it. But, you know, knowing knowing the the UFC media, they probably would rank him number fucking 14 if he beats Neil Magny. So uh, you never know. But kind of now or never for uh, Max Griffin. He's 36 years old. He's on a three-fight winning streak. He's looked really good. He's looked really good. This guy has not had an easy route uh, in the UFC and kind of racked up the losses early in his career. Uh but, you know, Curtis Millinder was on a pretty nice streak when he was fighting Max Griffin. You know, Thiago Alves is tough. Morono uh, kind of, you know, went on a little ascension afterwards. A split decision loss to uh, uh, Alex Oliveira. Alessio Zaleski Dos Santos in the middle of his, you know, eight-fight winning streak or whatever he was on. Debuted against Covington. So, you know, 
I think this guy's probably a lot better than people realize. You know, you could look at their record and go, well, you know, he's a sub-500 fighter in the UFC, but again, that's against pretty tough competition. You know, the, the, the UFC matchmaking has never done him any favors. But uh, a, a nice win over uh, Ramiz Brahimaj. Definitely battered him, knocked out Kinan Song in, in pretty emphatic fashion to start off 2021. And then a uh, pretty convincing uh, unanimous decision win over Carlos Condit. So, you know, now or never for, for uh, Max Griffin. But, you know, when it's all said and done, I like Magny. He's going to have a huge reach advantage, huge height advantage. Just a very well-rounded fighter. I mean, a very underappreciated fighter uh, is Neil Magny. One more win, and he ties GSP for the most wins in UFC welterweight history. And, uh, you know, he's only 34. He's only 34, uh, which is which is crazy. Uh, very, very active fighter. I think there is certainly a, a, a cap. A certain, there's, there certainly is a ceiling for Neil Magny. Uh, but he, he knows his place, man. He knows his place. I mean, you know, I, I don't think Magny's ever going to beat, uh, you know, a top guy. I don't think he's ever going to be in the top five but boy, if if you're if you're not legit, you're not beating Neil Magny, and uh, you know it's not for for lack of trying, it's not for lack of effort. But uh, you know I do think Max Griffin is a little limited. That's why he's had a bunch of losses in the UFC. And man, if you're trying to get your big break on uh, Neil Magny, I, I don't see that happening. So uh, I'm gonna go Neil Magny by unanimous decision. Has a pretty long average uh, fight time. Not that he doesn't have finishing ability. Obviously, he's like I said, he's well rounded. Uh, probably more probably leans a little bit more to the the grappling and stuff like that but uh you know not the not the best finisher in in the world 13 minute average fight time but uh i'm gonna go convincing ud win for neil magny all right we're moving on to the women's bantamweight division sarah mcmahon taking on carol hosa mcmahon 12 and 6 hosa 15 and 3 Take a look at the odds for this one. Carol Hosa, the minus 220 favorite. Uh, not a whole lot to say on this one, too. Well, an unheralded bantamweight in Carol Hosa and someone who kind of has been uh, forgotten in Sarah McMahon. Once had a title shot against uh, Ronda Rousey. I believe that was UFC 170, former uh, silver medalist at the Olympics in freestyle. Or Greco-Roman, what the fuck do I know? But in wrestling, she was a uh, silver medalist, 41 years old and still fighting in the UFC. Not the most active fighter in the world, but you know that's that's pretty that's pretty impressive. No matter how you chalk that up, because it's definitely a young man's sport, a young woman's sport. Uh, lost her last fight against the uh, current champ Juliana Pena back at uh, UFC 257, so she's been off for uh, 13 months. Uh, Carol Hosa, uh, much more active fighter, 27 years old, so 14 years. The, uh, the, the uh, uh, well, McMahon is 14 years the elder. I, I, I haven't had enough coffee to figure out how that would work the other way around. That's how uh, sleep-deprived I am. But uh, she's on a, a six-fight winning streak, I believe I've picked against her in, in in a lot of her UFC fights, but she just keeps uh, keeps winning. Um, uh, let's see, Edwards. I think she beat Edwards off of that nice debut performance for the uh, the Panamanian fighter. 
and then uh, a win over Betch Cohea in, I believe, her retirement fight. So step up in competition. Uh, McMahon is definitely the best wrestler that she has fought. Um, hmm. I'm going to go Carol Hosa by unanimous decision. I, I really could be convinced to go either way. I mean, that wrestling is a lot to deal with. But, you know, yeah, fuck it. We'll go with a younger fighter. We'll go with uh, Carol Hosa. 91% takedown defense, albeit, again, against lower fighters. But uh, we'll go Carol Hosa by unanimous decision. All right, moving on to the bantamweight division. We'll have uh, two prospects uh, going at it. Uh Dana Batgari taking on Chris Gutierrez. Batgari 12 and 2. Gutierrez 17, 3 and 2. Take a look at the odds for this one. And Batgari will be the minus 135 favorite. Uh, I really like uh, Dana Batgari, the uh, Mongolian. I believe the first ever Mongolian fighter in the UFC. And I think only one of two because. Uh, Actually, no, the Mongolian murderer, he's from, he's from China, because uh, I think Mongolia is a province of China, as, w- as well as an actual country. Um, but uh, neither here nor there. Uh, but I, I like uh, uh, Dana Batgari, lost his debut against Haley Alatang, but came back, knocked out Guido Canetti, who uh, just recently had a knockout of, um, oh, what the fuck is that guy's name? The guy that Sean O'Malley beat up, Chris Mutino, uh, knocked out Kevin Natividad and, and knocked out Brandon Davis. So, very dangerous, dangerous fighter, dangerous striker. Uh, you know, likes to get early finishes. And Gutierrez is a good striker as well, certainly with his kicks. Uh, you know, he had that, he had that uh, leg kick knockout of uh, Vince Morales. And, uh, you know, he's 5 1 and 1 in the UFC. I mean, the. You know, again, he hasn't fought anybody in the rankings, but five, five, one, and one—that doesn't just happen by accident. You know, that's uh, that's that's a very, very impressive. And he made his debut against Howney Barcelos, who I, I think is very uh, underrated and should have beat Timor Valiev because the uh, the judges got it incorrect. Really, really tough, man. Because I like Gutierrez, uh, but I'm gonna go with uh, Dana Batgari. I don't know if he finishes Gutierrez because that's pretty tough. Uh, he's never been uh, knocked out, as far as I can tell, in his UFC career. So, you know, we might see how good of a fighter Batgari is in rounds two and rounds three, because we certainly haven't seen that uh, in his career. But I, I like Batgari. I, th- I really think he's somebody to watch out for. And, uh, you know, th- this bantamweight division is f- fucking stacked. Uh, and-, and-, and the depth as well is, is-, is crazy. All right, moving on. Still on the uh, the prelims here. We got Aliashkab Kizriev and Dennis Tolulin. Uh, Kizriev is 13-0. Tolulin is 10-5. I believe Tolulin's a, a late replacement. Uh, Kizriev is the minus 1,000 favorite. So people feel pretty confident in the undefeated Russian uh, fighter, I don't know uh, a damn thing about either of these uh, fighters, so I, I basically can just go on the odds and uh, and, and and what I uh, what I can see. The uh, the Black Wolf uh, Kizriev, uh, he he won back on the Contender Series against Henrique Shigemuto. 
uh, has a win on the regional scene over uh, Husamar Palhar as one of the biggest dirtbags in uh, MMA. Uh, and Tolulin, not the greatest record in the world. He is going to be a couple of years older. He's on a, uh, a one-fight winning streak, so very, very impressive. I've, I've never heard of any of the guys he's fought. He does have a win over the 0-11 and 11 Oliver Dunda uh, back in 2019, so very, very impressive. All that being said, I'm going to go with the, uh, the Black Wolf on this one. I don't know a damn thing about either of these guys. All right, moving on. Uh, kind of hidden very early on this, this fight card. Jennifer Maya taking on... Manon Firo, uh, Maya 19, 8 and 1, Firo 8 and 1. We'll take a look at the odds for this one. Uh, Jennifer Maya, excuse me, uh, Manon Firo is going to be the minus 450 favorite. That is pretty significant, especially considering Maya was really the only fighter, uh, you know, in, in the last couple of years to even challenge. Um, Valentina Shevchenko in any in any way, shape, or form. Uh, but Furo seems like the uh, the real deal. But Jennifer Maya, 33 years old, coming off of a loss to Caitlin Chukagian. Uh, I mean, I guess she's lost three of her last five. But uh, again, the the way she brought it to uh, Shevchenko at least made people realize that uh, Shevchenko's human, even even if she won every single round after that. Um, but Furo, I mean, she, I don't, it's so tough to compare anybody to Shevchenko because she's leagues above everybody else, but it's like, if anybody can do it, it might be Manon Furo. I mean, we've seen, we've seen so many flyweights, uh, try and fail against Shevchenko, uh, I think they pushed Santos a little too early. I think that would have been a little more interesting later in 2022 if she got another win over uh, a top fighter. But, you know, Firo is, is 32. She's not a young fighter coming in, inexperienced, 8-1, and one, probably the best striker in that division outside of Shevchenko, and she's just looked amazing uh, in, in her UFC fights. I mean, the knockout of uh, Leonardo, the knockout of Ricci, just put it to uh, Bueno Silva so there's a reason they're giving her such a massive jump but unfortunately for Fioro she better be winning she, she better be ready to win the belt now because Shevchenko is almost assuredly going to run through Santos if Fioro gets past Mayo which I predict will happen she might be fighting for the title in in her next fight so they, there's no building up fighters in the flyweight divi- division you get thrown straight to the wolf and uh, like that's a very real possibility. So, um, but but again, like I said, she's not a young fighter, so she might be ready. She might be ready for that push. But uh, you know, th- this fight's really going to say a lot. I think she's just nobody's nobody's going to outstrike Furo except for possibly uh, Shevchenko. So I think she probably beats up Jennifer Maya. Don't know if she gets the finish, but I am pretty. Uh, pretty confident that she gets the win so we'll go man and Furo by we'll go by by decision we'll, we'll give Maya her respect all right just two fights to go uh we have a flyweight fight between David Dvorak and Mateos Nikolau Dvorak 20 and 3 Nikolau 17 2 and 1 two pretty records there between those two 125 pounders uh we got Dvorak is the minus 130 favorite 
uh, yeah, I, I could pretty much see it as, as a pick em. I think I like Dvorak a little better than Nikolaou. I do not believe Nikolaou beat uh, Manel Kopp. I think he lost that fight. So, uh, you know, he's in his second tenure here in the UFC. He's, he's coming in at number seven, Dvorak at number 10. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't think he won that fight against Manel Kopp. And, uh, getting a win over Tim Elliott. I mean, which what what flyweight doesn't have a win over Tim Elliott? Everybody has a win over Tim Elliott. So, I'm not overly uh, impressed with Nikolaou. I'm not I'm not underwhelmed with Nikolaou either, you know, to, to to be fair, but uh, you know, I, I do like Dvorak. I think he's a, a good striker. Uh, I think it's it's probably his time to uh, rise up. I mean, this dude's on a 16 fight winning streak. I mean, that's impressive. 3 and 0 in the UFC. This is a step up. Uh, in competition, but I think he's ready for it. The stats look good. His performances look good. Uh, so I, I like Div- I, I like David Dvorak uh, to win this one by unanimous decision. All right, just one fight to go. We got the prelim opener: Luis Saldana and Bruno Silva in the fly or in the featherweight division. Excuse me, Saldano fifteen and seven, Silva ten and two. We'll take a look at the odds. Bruno Silva will be the minus 125 favorite uh i think he came in <clears throat> pretty under the 145 pound uh or uh, 146 pound uh, uh weight limit uh souza 26 years old he lost his debut uh, against melsic bogdasarian at ufc 268 saldana uh been in the ufc for uh, a little bit of time he's 31 uh, came off the contender series since then, one and one, lost his last fight to Austin Lingo. Again, I, I really don't have a whole lot to say on this one, so I'll side with uh, I'll side with Bruno the Tiger Silva because uh, he has a nickname and Saldana does not. So that's that's uh, you know the expert level analysis you can expect for uh, two low level fighters. That's uh, that's essentially a pick 'em. So yeah, we'll go Souza by uh, decision. All right, well, with that, uh, we've reached the end of our preview here. So, again, you can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Be sure to check out our website at NorthStarSports.media. Uh, we will probably have updated rankings. I know I've said that for quite some time, but, you know, we'll try to get crack a lacking on that. And, uh, you know, we'll have a, a recap show probably, uh, probably tomorrow. So, uh, with that, Thanks for tuning in, everybody.